Team Athletics Podcast. Be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button and leave a comment. I'm your host, Kyle Coglatori, and we have the pleasure of having Minnesota legend, two-time All-American, two-time Big East Player of the Year, three-time first-team Big East, gold medalist, 16th overall pick in the NBA draft, former boxer and R&B artist Troy Bell with us today. How's it going, Troy? It's going good. Yo, that's a crazy intro, man. That's funny. (laughs) I probably left out a few accolades too. I know you got some other ones up in your head. I know. I was I wasn't even thinking about it, man. Once you get old, it just all start running together. Well, dude, you you for me growing up, Minnesota, like you're right here in my in my state. Uh, quickest guard I ever seen. Holy Angels. I mean, let, let's start from the way back, the beginning. How, how did this even happen? How'd you end up at Holy Angel in Richfield? Well, I was actually registered at. Uh, at De La Salle, South Washburn, and Holy Angels. So I think about two weeks before school started, we didn't know exactly where I was going to go. Mm-hmm. But um, but then my dad just was like, no, we're about to go to Holy Angels. Went and got that uniform, and then uh, it was over, man. <laughs> I was a little salty, though, I'm not going to lie, because I wanted to go to Washburn because I had friends there. But uh, Washburn probably wouldn't have been the best choice. Uh, and not even not even looking back in hindsight, just even at that moment, just thinking about some of my homies and uh, just some of the situations that probably would have occurred. You know, I mean, nothing crazy, but it it would have it have been very easy to get off track at Washburn for me. Yeah, in derailing what you were about to do. But at the time, did you really think you'd do what you did? You know, I I didn't. I don't even remember what I was thinking. I think I was more so thinking about it from a friend's standpoint, to be honest. I was just like, a lot of my friends are going to Washburn. That's where I want to be. That, that's really all I was thinking about. I figured I figured that uh, from a basketball standpoint, I would be okay anywhere. Um, that's kind of how I felt. Okay. And But, I mean, were you thinking college ball at that time, at that young? Um. No, I wasn't even. I wasn't even really that far. I've always been someone to try to stay in the moment. I never. I never really uh, looked too far into the future. Um, I've always enjoyed the present, um, regardless of what was going on. And I always wanted to try to maximize my moments, like in real time. So, I never. I didn't. I didn't think that far ahead. I think I was just thinking about the season in front of me, and then worrying about AAU. You know, I was, but, you know, after listening to your story and then thinking about this other guy that I spoke on a while back, you know, it was a blessing to, to have, cause I grew up on the South side and we have a really small house, but I had two parents there and they were working, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you have a really small house, you're not living above your means, you know, you can focus on other things. You know, a lot of people that I grew up with, you know, when you're worried about where your meal's coming from. You can't focus on things like that. So I was able, you know, thankfully because of my parents, I was able to be in the moment and focus on my own goals because my parents did a good job of just providing. So, so I, I really it was because of them that I was able to just focus on those type of things. You know what I mean? That's a blessing. Yeah, no doubt. Absolute no blessing. Doubt. And, and I know um, you're, you're, Pops passed away a few years ago. Again, condolences mm. on that. I know we've talked about that. 
Um, but to have him and your mom be there and to be, you know, good role models in, in a situation that, that it, it goes so far that people don't even know, you know what I mean? Um, and a lot of people in inner cities don't have that experience, you know? Yeah. My dad, my dad was, he was a lot of people's dads. You know what I mean? He, uh, man, a lot of people from, from the beginning, thinking about playing uh, football at King Park at about what, like nine or 10, thinking about how many kids my parents picked up to go to practice, to go to the games. Like my parents held a lot of people down. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, it, it's huge. It's, it's super huge. And the world needs more people like your parents because there's a lot of people out there that need parents. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. They did, they did a really good job. They really did. And, and I know you just said AAU. AAU, do you feel like that played a huge part in your uh, – I know at the time Minnesota was such a small conglomerate and on the map of basketball, recruitment was not that crazy. Like, it, it, people did not think that was a hub for players, whereas today, like, Chet Holmgren is our number one player in the country. He's from Minnesota. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where back then, if you're from Minnesota, they're just going to overlook you regardless. Um, do you yeah, feel pretty like much maybe that exposure, or, or do you think that? I mean, your senior year, thirty nine and a half points a game, like you demolished everybody. What, what do you think it was? But you know, my junior year, um, I think I averaged like twenty eight, and I didn't have any scholarship offers. You know, um, so I didn't even get my scholarship offers until that summer. So after my junior year, that summer. We went on the road, and um, and pretty much with, with Howard Pulley, we pretty much uh, – that's where everybody got their offers, and we took our respect. Uh, Bauer, Mike Bauer – oh, but Mike Bauer, Jabron Ike, Travis Kraft. Um, I can't remember if Ben went. I don't know if Ben Johnson went to Nike. I, I can't remember. But Drew Carlson went to Nike, though. But everybody – oh, and uh, – What's that one dude, man? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. I shouldn't be forgetting his name. He went to Utah. Um, Jacobson. Jacobson. Nick Jacobson. Um, so all four of those guys that, that were on my team, they all came out top 50 yeah. at Nike camp. And so that's what actually got the scouts to come to my game. I didn't get invited. I think yeah. I think, I think Drew I think Drew Carlson actually got invited over me. Um, but shout out to Drew Carlson. He was a good player. Uh, Shout out Drew, a belt playing great. Everybody knows Drew where I'm from. Drew is yeah. the man. He's still cold. He uh, they used to ha have like um, open gyms out there for Christmas. Yeah. Drew probably hadn't touched the ball all year. Come to those open gyms and still light everybody up. Yeah, no. Drew had a good feel, man. He had a good feel. He could hoop, no doubt. But because of because of those guys that uh, represented Minnesota, that's how we got the guy or the scouts to our games and. Um, I think it was first game of the Peach Jam. Um, I remember Jabron had threw me an alley oop from like half court. It was back when I could jump, and um, I just remember having like I don't, I'm gonna say like like mid. Where's my arm? I had about like all I can't even show you, but kind of where that skull tattoo starts on my bicep. I remember I had all that over the rim, and I caught it. And I came down, and I remember when I came down, I felt like everything was going to be okay. From that moment on, I was like, we're going to be good. And that's pretty much what happened, man. We didn't get out of the gym for like like an hour and a half, two hours after the game because of, of Coach Heiser, um, shout out Coach Heiser, Coach South, um, 
he just had to talk to all the all this all the scouts. He couldn't he couldn't get out. We were just sitting there chilling, posted up, and that's when everybody's offers came in um, at that moment. So, it, you know, everything I had done up to that point in Minnesota basketball didn't matter because if you take away Howard Pulley and AAU, it would have been nothing. You know, if I didn't if I didn't play AAU that season, I'd have probably came back to Holy Angels, averaged the same amount of points, and nothing would have happened. I'd have been at North Dakota School of Science like all the rest of the dudes from back in the day. That is so crazy. How stupid. It, I mean, just, it, just that's what it was back then, man. The, the, pro, the biggest problem, back then, no internet. The internet was not what it is. Yeah, you would be able to recruit job. yourself, make your own highlight film, put that up, you'd blow up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the internet is huge, man, in everything. Yeah. Cause, all right, so we're getting off track a little bit. At the time, you finished as a career leader at Holy Angels, 2,491 points in 97 games. Uh, your player of the year as a senior. You, you finished as a finalist for Mr. Basketball, which is kind of janky because, dude, you averaged 39 and a half points a game, six boards, four assists. You led the whole state in scoring. It's- you know what? You know what? It was like 30. I think it was like 36 or 35, 9. Because I, I think on Wikipedia, someone put on Wikipedia, they got it wrong. Because I actually saw something the other day in my room that has 35-9. So it's got to be 35-9. I think Wikipedia has it wrong. Well, you had I – thought, I thought the craziest part, though, was your season high was 47. The lowest amount of points you scored in the game was 24. So I, I wish I could say the worst game I played that year was a 24-point game. Uh, but that's, that's hilarious for you. I got triple team, too. That's why I had 24. <laughs> I remember that game. We were playing Shakopee, and, and there was there was never not two guys on me. Never not. But they were trying to get three, but it was always two. When you think back at that, was that some of the funnest times? Because the, the craziest thing to me is you, you played just as well at college against better players. You know what I mean? Like, you, you were – actually, I think you're, you're – Averages are better. I think you finished with 200 more points in college. But I play. I played more games in college, though. I play. I played way more games. And then I, I think I missed like six or seven games my senior year. Maybe like five games with a sprained ankle too. Okay. So I would have. Yeah. I, I probably would have. I probably. I would have outscored myself in high school if I could have played those games. Probably. <laughs> Well, so when, when you were talking about your recruits, I know your final tour, Xavier and Boston College, were there any other ones that were outreaching? Tennessee, uh, my final, th- Tennessee was in my final three as well. Um, I can't remember. Oh, when I went on a visit, the head coach couldn't be there, but it wasn't his fault. He had told me ahead of time that he couldn't make it. But um, But regardless, though, you still want the head coach to be there on your visit. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. just like he was doing his scheduling, I was trying to do my scheduling too you know, get things together, but no shade to him, man. I feel like, I feel like all those dudes at Tennessee were cool. Um, really cool dudes on the visit. The visit was good. Like they did everything right, man. There was nothing more they could have did. I know they wanted me to come for a football game. Um, and I know that would have been crazy, but you know, my thing, my thing was though, you know, I don't play football. So regardless of how lit the football game is, that has absolutely nothing to do with why I'm going there. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't look at things like I do, but I'm just more of like a black and white type. So, you know, the football game probably would have been great, but that has absolutely nothing to do with my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
But usually they, they, the saying is, if the football team's rocking, then every sport's rocking. Because that's what's really generating most of the money for the school. So I, I, I do know that. They do say that they correlate for everything because then everybody's getting, you know, what they need funding-wise. Yep. No, I, I get all that, man. You know, it's big business. It's huge business. But, you know, whether they won, whether there were girls there, whether the parties were popping after, that has nothing to do with why I'm going to your school. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. I have my own set of goals that had nothing to do with what the football team had going on. Well, so here, here's my question then. You weren't highly recruited. In your mind, are you thinking, I'm going here, I'm going to the league? Or were you sitting there thinking, I'm just trying to get a free education, I'm trying to have fun playing ball? Well, in high school, I just wanted free college. But but once the free college thing came, then I wanted to go somewhere and get major minutes. You know what I mean? I, I didn't I didn't really have any preconceived ideas about any of it. Um, I've always been a pretty realistic guy. I kind of take life as it comes. But um, I, I wanted minutes. I wanted to play right away. I've never been a guy that wanted to sit. Um, I sat one time in uh, the fifth grade. I was playing up on a sixth grade team and the team was great. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was better than me, hands down, period. Um, back then I was, I was a football player. I was, I was kind of trying to play some basketball. I mean, I was cool, but I was, I was a football player. I played quarterback and safety. I loved it. I was nice, but, um, but everyone was better than me, period. And so I sat. And after that though, after sitting the whole year, even though I was supposed to sit cause they were better than me, I was just like, yeah, nah, I'm not trying to do this no more. <laughs> this ain't it. Yeah, this ain't it, man. So don't get me wrong, though. I've always been realistic. You know, if it was, if someone was better than me, I can admit that. You know what I mean? Yep. And they were. All of them were. So I was supposed to sit, but I wasn't really trying to do no sitting after that, though, to be honest. So then does Skinner tell you, like, hey, you come here, you're getting all these minutes right off the bat? Or does he say you're going to have to earn them? Well, he's he's always been a fair dude and a straight shooter. And he said, he said everyone has to earn everything. But, um, but at the time, though, the point guard, uh, shout out Dwayne Pina, who's my that's my homie. But um, he was a walk on, and he was solid though. He was solid. Um, but after we played in the um, on my visit, we played on my visit. I was like, I can come here and get the minutes I want. You know what I mean? Not not that I couldn't have got minutes at a lot of places, because I feel like I felt like I, I could have got minutes a lot of places. But but um, I knew I was gonna play a lot there, and I had a really good time with the team. The, uh, the guys were really cool, man. I. It was kind of like, uh, like when I got there, I was like, this is a place where I will enjoy myself, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, how you know, if you get somewhere and the vibe's wrong, I'm, I'm big on the vibe. I don't, I don't have to spend a lot of time or get to know people. Like, I know who I like, who I mess with right away. It doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, some people got to really get to know. I don't, I can tell right away if I'm rocking with you for the long haul or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I got there, I spent my, was it two days a day? I don't even know how long I was there, but I was like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good here. <laughs> you can feel it. Yeah, right away. Right away. There was no, there was no negative energy. Um, none of that, none of that hater energy. Like, just a bunch of secure men that had confidence in themselves. I've never been good with insecure men. Um, you know, just things you do learn about yourself in life. You know, mm-hmm. it, I make insecure men feel uncomfortable. I, I do. I don't know why. I'm just is what it is. Um, but everybody at BC had a high opinion of themselves. And I'm not talking about like arrogance. I'm just talking about like Humble. you're secure. Yeah, you're secure in who you are. You know who you are. You know what you bring to the table. You have self-esteem. You know what I mean? Yep. It was a, it was a good situation for me just as far as the men were involved.
It, well, the, the thing that blows my mind too is, again, you're going through this generation where at the time it was weird if you went and left school early. You know what I mean? Like every the best players in college stayed in school for four years. And a lot of times. I mean, for you, your freshman year was unbelievable. I think you you were the first first uh, freshman to average twenty points a game uh, ahead of AI because I think AI had the record before that at nineteen point one or something like that. Um, and your freshman year, like the minute you got, I, I know it got cut short because that was your first knee injury, right at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. So. And at, at the time, did, are people telling you, like, dude, you need to leave? But at the same time, you have that knee injury. Or are yeah, you sitting I, I there thinking? Some, I had some agents calling. Um, but to be honest, man, I, I wasn't really – I mean, I listened to what they had to say. And uh, a lot of them actually had some good opinions on certain parts of my game that they wanted me to work on that they thought I could benefit from. And I've always been someone to listen to things that make sense. Um, so I did meet a couple agents that were cool, but – at that at that point, I, I wasn't talking to anyone that uh, really made me feel like leaving was the move. Um, but they were calling though. They were calling. The knee the knee injury was tough because it, it was the first one. But to be honest though, my knees started getting kind of sore. I want to say in about '98, so maybe my junior year. So um, even in high school, I was playing through pain. Um, I just, I just always thought that everybody played through pain. That's just how I felt. I, I just figured that anyone that was playing a lot of basketball, something's got to hurt. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it has to. How could it not? But, but, but I found out later on that that was a lot of just my experience. A lot of people really weren't hurt or playing through pain, and just weren't used to playing through pain. It just wasn't normal for them. But it had been normal for me. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so it was. Uh, I guess it was just. You know, my knee just kind of gave out for the first time at that moment, you know, just probably overload of stress and all that. And um, so, yeah, regardless of, of, of any of it, that knee surgery definitely had me not thinking about doing anything for sure. Did you have uh, – did you know much about, like, icing and, and self-care for, like, rehabbing back then? Or, or was that, like, new to you when you got to college? We iced – me and my homie Kenny Walls, we used to ice. Uh, he actually was the first guy to put me in the cold tub because his knees were actually bad. And um, he was a really, really athletic dude, super athletic. And so I would actually go ice with him. We'd get in the cold tub a lot of times. Um, so we we did some icing. But uh, but it, it's just a lot of wear and tear, a lot of quick cuts. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You can, I, you can ice and get yourself to the next situation or to the next game or the next practice. But – Eventually, you know, if uh, if you weren't, I, I don't think I did a lot of the right corrective exercises. Like knowing now, like I should, I should have been doing a lot more hamstring work. Um, I think that would have really, really set me up to be a lot more successful as far as not having the injuries. Well, I know in passing we've talked before, and, and you just said like there was times where I go dunk the ball. And I pull myself up and just drop because I thought it looked cool, but damn, it would hurt my knees, yeah. and I just never even thought. Yeah. Like I remember you telling me that, right? Things like that, where you just not giving yourself a good situation to begin with. I mean, you know, it's just you're young and you're just young, man. You know, it was a lot, a lot of things were. It's kind of like what you said, man, when you were talking about when the high school coach asked you to come out your senior year, you're just like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. reg regardless of what you should have did, you're just young. You're, 
you know, I was young, I could do it, so I did it, and that was it, you know what I mean? It looked cool, you know, that's what was going to be done. You know, looking back on it now, I probably grabbed the net three times and came down like, ooh, I probably put another month on my career, you know what I mean? But <laughs> at that at that moment, though, it was about it was about the look. Yeah, bet, bet. I, I, okay, I, I get that. Uh, were you in your mind? Were you even grasping what you were doing as a freshman? Were you even grasping what you were doing your whole career actually at Boston College? Were you just in the moment, not even comprehending what how how crazy it was that your career was? You know, I man, I really didn't think that much about it, man. I really didn't. And what's crazy is that there was this guy named DK, RIP DK. He was the media guy at BC. And I was always in his office because I was always doing interviews and always doing stuff like that. But um, I, I just, I never really... Oh, I lost you, Troy. I lost you. What's up? Oh, there you go. You're back. You got, so you're you in, got me? in his office. Yep. So I was in, I was in his office a lot doing interviews. And, uh, and because it happened in the beginning of my career, um, it just, it just, you know, what, what happens to you early, you kind of get used to, you know, good, bad functional or dysfunctional. So because I was always in his office doing these interviews, doing all this stuff, I just, that was just, that was my normal. So I never really thought about it too much, man. I really didn't. Yeah, dude, when I was going, everything that you did, I, your freshman year, you guys were 11 and 19 following year. You were the best team in the conference, 27 and five. Uh, Coach Skinner, Coach of the Year, your Player of the Year, uh, All-American, Big East Tournament MVP. You actually shared that Player of the Year with Troy Murphy that year. And you're actually the fourth or fifth player to ever even be a Player of the Year twice in the Big East. The Big Easy. I mean, I think it was Troy Murphy, Rip Hamilton, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen to, to win the award twice. Yeah, yeah. I think Chris Dunn got it too later on from Providence. But um, my bad, bro. What was the question? It, it's just I'm sitting here thinking about how everything you accomplished going 11 and 19 freshman year, 27 and 5 following year, then 20 and 12, which was kind of tough because you lost to TJ Ford led Texas. Then you had uh, your senior year, which is pretty cool because Craig Smith's a freshman your senior year, and he was a good ball player. Yeah, Craig was balling, man. Craig, oh. Craig actually, Craig actually outscored Carmelo Anthony. Um, as freshman, I think Craig. I think Craig could have left. To be honest, his freshman year. I mean, he, obviously, he ended up being the second all-time leading scorer. Had an amazing career. You know, it all worked out. But, but I think he could have left though. It, it's, it's weird because you and him both of your games would have fit so much better in today's NBA. Because it's just, especially him with his size six seven, like he's what they want. Look at PJ Tucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. This dude's had a career because of what he does and Craig does what he did or what yeah. he, you know what I mean did what he does it, it's insane yeah PJ was in the D league I think with me when I went to the D league he really he really carved out uh a niche but you know it, it, but it really just all comes out the timing man you got to be in the right situation with the right coach that believes in you every it's, it's just life man life is timing yeah yeah it really is everything yeah and you, you end your career breaking all the records, most points scored, 2,632, beating Dana Barrows for that record. Um, your jersey's retired this past year. We were just talking about how crazy that is, like, for it to even happen right before COVID. And, and 
what could have happened if it happened after COVID hit. Yeah. You, you've had a crazy 2020, actually, and a lot of good things yeah. for you in 2020, even though a lot of people have had a tough one. Yeah, man, it's uh, life is just so tricky, man. You just never know when blessings will come your way. Um, we were planning a wedding. We had kind of canceled it because of COVID. And then, um, and then we just kind of got to a point where it's like, we don't know when or if this is going to end. So you just got to try to live. You know what I mean? So to be able to get the jersey retired and then get married and, and, and the marriage thing for me is kind of crazy because I never thought I was ever going to be married. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, my mindset and the life I used to lead wasn't really on track to being a married dude. So, so for me, yeah. You know, honestly, the marriage part is 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 a uh, the craziest part to me because uh, it just was not something on my agenda. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so to be able to get to this this mindset where where this is now like good and normal and fulfilling, like that was that's that's huge for me. The basketball part was huge, but but if you look at the stats, you know, eventually something should have happened with that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Still blessed, still shout out to uh, Jarmond, uh, the AD that just went, got to UCLA for putting it together and hooking it up. I'm very appreciative. Um, but yeah, bro, the marriage thing, man, as far as just stuff that, that wasn't like, that wasn't something that I was ever anticipating to any degree, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it was, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. It was, it was 2020. It's been rough. I also lost my uncle. You know, all the stuff that everyone else is normally going through. The yeah. life just, you know, but but 2020 has been has been a crazy year, and but mostly good from a family standpoint. Sorry to hear about your uncle, man. Oh, uh, you know how it goes, man. It's uh, it's crazy because uh, so it's been both my last two uncles and then my dad. I got one uncle left who was adopted, but all the original Bell men. Uh, they're all gone. You know what I mean? And and um, it's crazy. It's, it's just life, man. You know, it's just life. It's just how it goes. Yeah. You know? It's that whole thing where, and we've talked about this off camera a lot too, it's enjoying which, what situation you're in, what chapter you're going through. Um, you don't know how long you're going to have somebody around. And, nope. and I, like, I, it, it's easier said than done when I told you this. But, you know, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy it happened. And again, yeah. I try to tell myself that every day. Yeah, um, I, I, but I, I really do believe that, though. Yeah, no, and I'm not. I'm not saying I don't believe it. Like it's a right, blessing. Right. I got to experience my dad, my grandpa, but at the same time, like I can't help be sad that they're not here. You know what I mean? So it's like right. that constant trying to keep myself that pep talk, dude. You live a blessed life. Be happy instead of being so sad in the moment all the time. And forgetting how good everything is, you just, you just wish they were here. You know, that's it. No doubt, no doubt. But you know what, though, you know, I don't, I don't think you're supposed to not be sad sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I think that, I think that if you weren't sad sometimes, you probably wouldn't be human. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, you're so. I think you're supposed to be sad. I, I think you being sad sometimes, me being sad sometimes, it's kind of like paying homage to the memories that you had with them. I think you're supposed to. You know what I mean? Every now and then. You know, or maybe an old song will come on, or, or you look at a picture, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that, I, I feel like you owe that to them. Everyone owes that to their loved ones to to feel that way about them not being around. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's crazy. It it is. 
it's the most absurd thing. And like you said, the, the whole thing with the marriage, I was kind of somebody in that same boat. Um, but you sit there and you have those weird experiences like your wedding. You want your dad there. I wanted my dad and my grandpa yeah. there. Those are just moments that are supposed to be these super happy moments that yeah. kind of have a blemish. And, and the weirdest thing is my wife, I'm a, I'm a very lucky person. I don't know how I convinced her to even love me or tolerate me because I'm a very particular person. So it's got to be super difficult for her. But um, she gave me a gift on the wedding day because she knew how messed up I was about having a wedding. Like a part of me was like, let's just go to a courthouse and get married because to me it was like, if they're not here, it doesn't feel right without them. And, um, but then I knew that was her dream, have a big wedding, have her family and friends there. That's awesome. Right. But what she did is she gave me a gift and it was, uh, like, um, like this pin with two photos, each of their faces. And that's when I knew, like, this is the person for me. She right, gets you me. made the right decision. This yeah. is the one, like, and I, I was bawling. I, I don't cry. That made me cry. And I was right. like, dude, this woman, she's the greatest person that I'll ever meet in my life. I don't know how I got this lucky. You knew, you knew, like you knew, but you really knew when she gave you that. Oh my God. Yeah. That, and that was the thing I knew, but then when I got that, I was like, this is the ticket. This is the one. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that, and that's what it's about though, man. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I don't feel like everybody gets those deep signs. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're fortunate enough to get those deep signs, you know, there's, there's really no looking back. And that, and that's where I'm at too, as far as, you know, you just, you know, you know, they've, they've, they've done enough things. They've put in enough work, enough time. And then you got those, those, those small genuine things that are actually huge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that, and she, yeah, very lucky. I think we're both lucky people in that essence where the family life worked itself out in the right way and it's trending in the right direction. You're an amazing dad. Um, I tell you all the time that it's an inspiration for me about to be a dad. I, I just, I hope that I don't let this little girl down and all that kind of stuff. You won't do that. I mean, the, big, the biggest thing I've learned, man, is, is, is you just got to put in as much time as you can. You know, that's, that, that's, our, that's our most limited resource. There's always going to be stuff. You know, some people are more blessed financially to be able to give more stuff, but, you know, just, just your presence, you know what I mean? Just being able to put that time in, I mean, that's huge. Even if you're not doing nothing, just being there. Mm -hmm. And the, the craziest thing, too, we've had another passing. It was just uh, you have all these goals in your life. Like like I listed off, man, you're a basketball player, a, a boxer, an R&B artist. Um, but I, I think I can confidently say you're most happy with being a dad. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really – I'm in a really good place, man, mentally, emotionally. Um, you know, my, I'm about to say my girl, but uh, got to say my wife, I'm married, but I'm used to saying my girl, but you know, my wife and my, and my family, you know, they have, and then my mom and, uh, and even the ones that passed, man, they had so much to do with that, man. And, uh, and I, I know, I know for sure that my dad, um, and, and even my uncles, man, are super proud at at the man that I've been trying to become. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, only I feel like only we know what our toughest what our toughest battles are. Regardless of what people see from the outside, we know what the toughest battles are. And when you can overcome your toughest battles on the inside and make and make your outside 
that much better. I, I think I think that's one of the the hugest things we can do as people, because we all have battles going on internally. Some of us are losing, some of us are winning, some of us are just barely winning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but when you think, I'm sure you have them too. You know the things you've been able to overcome, uh, some of the dysfunction, some of the some of the whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I know for a fact that uh, that the ones that are gone would be super proud of me in regards to that type of stuff. So I, that 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 makes me very happy. I think you're absolutely correct, man. I, I, your story is super inspiring. Um, you've done so many things to be proud of. Not only are you awesome husband, awesome father. Um, again, your accolades from your athletic ability are insane. I don't know many people that can claim, not even claim, it's fact. You beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. You played professional ball. You made it to the highest stage in the NBA. At like, Dude, you're 16th overall pick. It's just the story is incredible, and I and I know your NBA career didn't go as way as the way that you would have liked, but at the same time, like you had a lot of things come your way that were not ideal. You had the knee injuries just right off the bat, and I think you had what three or four in a row. Yeah, I had I had, was it three and four years maybe? I think it was three and four years. It's maybe just, three and ten. Something like that. You tell me that, and it makes me feel like Derrick Rose's knee is solid. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, man. But you know, but you know, Derrick Rose though, he uh, he's one of them super uber quick dudes, man. And you know, you just you don't when like when you watch a guy do those kind of cuts and then jump super fast after it, uh, you know, we're cheering. It's beautiful. It's amazing to watch, but. You know, things are going on in there. You know what I mean? Like, eventually, you know, stuff starts breaking down, man. You know, it's – I mean, some people are super fortunate. Like, you look at LeBron. Like, think about how many times you see LeBron turn his ankle all the way over. And then he'll go sit down, come back, and just – he's good again. And still finish the game. He's an alien. Like, we all – yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, we all just have different genetics, you know. And uh, Because I know for a fact, every time I've seen him turn his ankle over – Mm-hmm. That had been three to four weeks for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Every single time. I, I've never once turned my ankle all the way over and not been done for a month. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like every single time. So, you know, some people are just blessed with uh, with different j- different genetics, man. Yeah. You know, it's easy. I mean, some people just get lucky. Derrick Rose, I think what really saved him, when I think about, like, me, and I'm not comparing us, but he left after his freshman year. So he was able to, 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 to go to the league with the same athleticism that he was accustomed to, do his thing, get his contract, and then boom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then he started having those injuries, but, but, he, but he started having those injuries after he was already, you know, hey. signed that, uh, that – yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's kind of the difference. I feel like if you're super athletic and quick and all that, eventually stuff's going to start breaking down, but – it's all a matter of when did you, you know, how much time did you put in college playing for free? You know what I mean? And that's what I think killed you. I think you'd be a household name right now if you would have been able to put them three years in the league instead of three more in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or at least I, pro- I think looking back on it, man, I feel like doing two in college would have been good just because uh, of what happened that second year. Mm-hmm. But, but if I was really – 
you know what it was though, bro? My mindset, I just wasn't in the mindset of of leaving. I just wasn't that wasn't on my mind. But but my junior year, I would have been ready, but I had that knee surgery right before the season. If I don't have that knee surgery before my junior year, I think that would have been my best year of college. Um for hands down, like because there was a point in that in that season where I think I was averaging like I don't know, like 27 or 28 or something, but then my knees started hurting again because I had that surgery just before the season. I think I had a surgery two weeks before the season, and, and I then played you came the first back game. And played, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I played the first game. So I, I know for a fact, though, bro, if I if that wouldn't happen, my junior year would have been something crazy, like something because that was the best I ever felt coming off that gold medal. But then, but then the surgery, you know what I mean? Well, so he, here's my other deal too. I mean, me and you talked. You played for the USA. You won your gold. But I said to you, why didn't you leave? And I remember you telling me you went to USA and you said the vibe was like, this is going to be like the pros. Yeah. You're like, I but you know what, though? But if, but, if I, but if I had left my sophomore year, I would have never saw the vibe. You know what I mean? I just would have left and that would have been it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, after, but, after, uh, but after going there and, I, and playing on the team and seeing all those personalities, yeah, that that was an accurate depiction because that was the NBA. You know what I mean? Like every almost everyone from the team went to some to some degree. Yeah, I but, mean um, I can list them off: Jameer Nelson, Chris Duhon, you. You were the second leading scorer. Yeah. You led the team with three point percent, fifty two percent from three the whole tournament. That's absurd. I didn't even know that. Hey, when you get a chance, send that to me because I didn't even know that. I I'll send it to you. That Dante Jones, Marcus Taylor, Nick Collison, Carlos Boozer, James Butler. That wasn't Jimmy buckets. No, that was yeah. uh, Karan Butler. That was Karan Butler. Karan Butler. Okay. Then we got Mike Sweetney, yeah. uh, Reggie Evans, Jason Capono, Brian Cook. I don't know how they got that wrong because Karan Butler, he was cold. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. He, I think he was a two-time All-Star, too, in the league. He was a stud. Right. Yeah, he, he was no a, doubt. He was a super stud. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's I, – I sit there and I think about that, and I remember you telling me the story. You're like, dude – it's just not the same thing as college. It felt more like a family at college, and I was not ready to give that up. Yeah, yeah. But you know, what? I, what I also too, what I didn't, what I didn't all the way, you know, really think about was that um, a lot of teams had that family vibe. You know what I mean? Not every team was like, like strangers. You know what I mean? And I think that's the part that I, I didn't really take into consideration. I mean, obviously, I learned it later on. Mm-hmm. And you see some teams in the NBA now where it looks like those guys are really having a good time. They're vibing. It's all good. You know what I mean? But also, too, I feel like the mentality is a lot different now than it was back then. Yep. Um, you know, hazing was still a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came to college, we didn't do the hazing thing. It wasn't It wasn't anything. We, we, I was, when people came to my school, I'm like, yo, what do you need to be comfortable? What do you need to be ready to play? Because mm-hmm. we're trying to win. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't – we weren't into the – you know, carrying bags and doing this and that. I mean, no, not to the people like Shaq that do it right. You know what I mean? Or KG. Mm-hmm. They may ask you to do stuff, but they show love at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a situation where they ask you to do stuff and no love's being shown. And that goes against everything I believe in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're showing love, yeah, I'll go grab you something, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, but 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 if, if there's no love being shown, it's like, what are we doing? You yeah. know what I mean? So it was... My NBA experience was definitely, uh, definitely very weird, and uh, you know, just was what it was, man. I mean, just you, was what it was. When you're drafted 16th overall, and 
you first hear the Celtics, did you know already off the bat you had been traded? No, no, no. I was good. I was like, oh, the Celtics. Yeah, you'd be oh, like yeah. Paul Pierce, yeah. Antoine Walker. <laughs> yeah, no, we're good, man. And at the time, you know, Torn used to bring it up a lot. Yep. Um, it was, I would have fit in perfect with them. But, um, but no, I, I would have fit in perfect with their offense. It'd have been, it'd have been easy. You know what I mean? I already, yeah. I already had a decent rapport with those dudes. Um, you know, respected them. Used to see them out in the clubs and stuff. Respected their games. It, it'd have been a super easy transition. I mean, it'd been super easy. But I mean, uh, you're essentially the hometown kid there. They should have. I don't get that at all. It really didn't make much sense because uh, so me and Marcus Banks got traded for each other. Marcus Banks would have fit in a lot better in Memphis because Hubie Brown, he wanted like a traditional, like, you know, defender. yeah, defender type point guard. That's kind of what he wanted. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that would have been, that'd have been what he wanted. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I don't really know. I don't know either. And Hubie was a odd character. I mean, it's so weird too, because you're drafted by an NBA legend, Jerry West. But then you got to go play for Hubie. And on top of that, I know you have uh, some hostility towards Dante Jones. Well, you know what? It was just that me and him, we're just different people, man. We're just totally different people. Uh, you know, from the beginning, um, never really got along with dude. You know, um, but you know, it's funny, man, because I feel like sometimes life put you in situ not all the time, but sometimes life puts life puts you in situations that are preparing you for later on. And 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 I don't say all the time because you know that saying everything happens for a reason. I don't believe everything happens for a reason, especially not a good reason, because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this world where you're like, yo, like there, there's definitely no good reason for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not saying that things are happening for the good all the time because we clearly know they're not. But I do believe that in certain cases, life is preparing you for something later on if you're receptive to the message that life is putting out. And for me, I feel like I met a lot of the people that I met so that I would be okay letting go of older ideals that maybe life felt like weren't going to serve me on the journey that I'm on right now. You know what I mean? So I feel like, I feel like I met Hubie so that, um, Probably just so that I could have tougher patience, skin. Tougher skin. Maybe patience, tougher skin. I had tough skin, but you know, man, there's so many lessons. There's so many lessons within my story. I, I don't even want to get into all of them, but but one thing that Hubie said that um that I did agree with, even though it didn't play into my favor at all, was he said he said, he said, he said, listen, man, all you guys are being paid very well to be here. And I don't give a fuck how any of you guys feel. And even though, um, even though, you know, like I said, the situation was, was nowhere near ideal for me. He did make a good point. You know what I mean? Because, you know, everybody there was making hundreds of thousands upwards to millions of dollars. And regardless of how he treated you, you don't got to see them for eight hours a day. You're only there for two. So you still got most of your day to go do whatever you want to do. And you got enough money to do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and one thing is a guy, I worked at Foot Locker at 16. And I remember, and that's actually, um, 
when I really realized I had to go harder in the gym, even harder than I was going because my manager was like 40. I'm like, damn, you could be 40 being a manager of Foot Locker. This is crazy. So I was like, man, I'm going to get to the gym and go stupid crazy. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, there was people dealing with a manager they didn't like, you know, on the fries, you know, at yep. Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, you know what I'm saying, making pennies and still getting cussed out and mistreated. So so even though he didn't say all that in his message, like, my mind always goes to other places. And I was like, you know what? He is right, man. There's somebody right now on the fries getting smacked with grease, getting cussed out by some some – some some dick you know what i mean yeah. like so i was just like yeah okay he did say some real stuff like this may not work out but 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 the money that i was making with my mentality was setting up myself and my family you know what i mean so yeah. you know a lot of guys were blowing all their bread and they weren't gonna have nothing but but for me that set up everything that i built everything that i'm doing now even to this day so so he did make a point there you know what i mean it wasn't nothing about the situation was ideal um, nothing on the court was really fun. Um, not, not almost none of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but that was just the way my situation went, but at least the money, uh, put me in the situation where the, the whole direction of my immediate family changed and we never looked back. That's awesome. I mean, that's what you had to do. Really. It, it's unfortunate. You didn't get to be put in the right situation for your skill set to have a coach that loved what you do best. Right. Because you know he, I mean? cause he, I don't, cause I don't think he, I don't think he wanted me. I think it was about Jerry. Like we had that workout. It was me, Dante Jones, Dwayne Wade, and Leandro Barbosa. That was the workout with Memphis. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was me and Dante on the same team. And it was, uh, Barbosa and D Wade on the same team. But D Wade said before the workout, he said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going half speed because I don't want to play for Hubie Brown. That's what he said. And, uh, but, but at the time though, I didn't know Hubie Brown like that. I, I mean, I knew, I knew he was like, like a commentator. Um, I think I knew he coached way back in the day, but I didn't know his history. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until later that I learned, you know, just how, how people actually felt about him. Like if you're in the rotation, you could be cool. Still may not like him, but he, 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 he treats the guys in rotation pretty good. But the guys out of the rotation, they treat you real bad. You know, I didn't know all these things. So, so D Wade's in the workout going half speed, and that's probably why, you know, Dante looked pretty good. I don't, I, because I've I seen a podcast where Dante was talking about how good we did against them, and um, yeah, I did good against Barboza. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. you probably didn't really do that good against D Wade because D Wade wasn't trying to go there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but I saw D Wade in Orlando. Yeah, where and he was okay with going to Orlando, and he owned the whole workout. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, he was. I was on this team. I just kept passing the ball. I'm like, one thing about me, I always know what to do for the most part. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was his day. It was. I don't like. It wasn't my best day, and I don't even know if that was a regular day for him. But it, but he looked like X Man. So I just kept giving him the ball, man. I was getting offensive rebounds, still throwing it back to him. Like, hey, dude, go try that again. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. he, he, he roasted uh, Keith Bogans. It was crazy. Roast, it was bad. It was, it, it was one of the worst. Outside of what I did to Ray Young at New Orleans, it was probably – and Ray, Ray Young was a year older than me. I don't even know why he's at the workout. But he was a cool dude, man. Ray Young was a cool dude. I remember watching him in All-American game. But outside of that – um, it was it was one of the 
craziest pre-draft workouts I had seen. You know what I mean? Like, what he did to Bogans was unreal. And don't get me wrong, Dante had defense. You know what I'm saying? Dante had good defense. But but D. Wade wasn't doing, like, normal D. Wade stuff. He wasn't trying to play for Hubie Brown. He said that. I just didn't know what he meant. I didn't know what that meant. You know what I mean? But after my workout, my agent called me and was like, yo, you, you did good. Like, you're, you're good from this point on. Like, And this was already after the pre-draft where I did all the stuff I did there. You know, came out the top athlete as far as bench and vertical and all that. Would put I, I wasn't number one in nothing, but I was top four in everything, all the major categories. That's how I came out number one. And I averaged like 18 and a half and 20 minute games. So, but this was after all that. He made it seem like that workout is what really did it for me. Because yeah. even after the draft, like seven teams wanted to trade for me. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. It was a crazy. It was a crazy thing, man. Did you kind of have in your mind where you were going to go in the draft? Or did you kind of know you were always going to be 16th, like you weren't getting past Boston? No. Uh, well, Kevin McHale told me that, that I wouldn't get past 26. Yeah. But um, but to be honest, though, um, I had already decided, and I didn't even look at the team list. It had nothing to do with the team list. I had looked at the pace scale, and I had already decided I wasn't going past 20. I know it sounds crazy, but that was – the last per person I think that made a million dollars, I think it might have been 21 or something. I don't know, 21, 22. But I had decided I wasn't going past 20. It had nothing to do with the teams. had nothing to do with nothing. I looked at the money, and I was like, I'm not going past here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that's what I had decided. That, I mean, that's what I was working towards mm-hmm. in my pre-draft stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. That was my own personal goal that I didn't tell nobody. But that's where I was mentally. I'm not going past 19. That's how I felt. And I feel like, you know, Jerry West, like it blows my mind that he even chose Hubie to run that team because, you know, he was a scoring guard. You know what I mean? Like that was not his game. Defense was not his game. Right. But you know what, though? You can't really knock him because we did go to the playoffs my rookie year. And that's how come I never said nothing about nothing because regardless of of, – and I'm going to be honest with you. Jimmy yeah. Brown was going to let me play. He was going to let me rock that second year, but I had a surgery like two I, – I, I tore my knee up two days before summer league. So regardless of how bad that first year went, I, that, that summer league was going to get to be my summer league to show my stuff. Like, And now that's 100%. That's not like – that's not speculation. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he was – that's what it was going to be. Because when I got to – because we were doing the practices – he had me running everything. Like, I was going to get my shot. But that surgery blew that. And then there was also going to be a trade where me, Dante, and Stroman Swift went to the Lakers, but my knee surgery blew that too. So, you know, and, and, and that's how you know that it just was not in the cards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because everything that went wrong went wrong. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Well, I mean, another reason why you guys went to the playoffs, though, is you have Shane Battier, you have Pau Gasol, you have Mike Miller, you have Bonzi Wells, James Posey, Stromile Swift. I mean, you guys had a roster. You had, had a, White Chocolate, a Earl Watson. Like, yeah, we had a squad. Yeah. But again, you know what I'm saying? But but the year before, oh, and, they, and most of those guys were there the year before, too. Most of yeah. those guys were there. But that, but they didn't get it together until the next year. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so, you know, when you look at the team success, you know, there's no denying that that um that Hubie did some good stuff, changed changed the mentality mm-hmm. uh that they had the year before. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying Hubie's a bad coach. I'm not I'm not saying that that they didn't that that, that, that team didn't accomplish good stuff. Just I'm just saying team. it was the worst situation that <laughs> I could have went to from a coaching standpoint 
and a player standpoint. As far as relationships with a player, that's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking what happened. I'm just saying that there was not a worse situation for me. You know, that's all I'm saying. And I know it kind of started off rocky, too, because didn't you have to play white chocolate one-on-one, and didn't you dust him? And then after that, he kind of was like, he was kind of. Well, no, just, see, he, 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 he before the game, he didn't talk to me. Before the game, I tried to, I tried to, I tried to be like myself, like a normal teammate. Yeah. But he kind of didn't want nothing to do with me. And then, and then I beat him like literally like 21 to one. Like it was really bad. He got the ball one time, made one shot, didn't get the ball no more. He couldn't do nothing with me. He wasn't quicker than me. He wasn't stronger than me. He wasn't nothing. He couldn't do nothing with me one-on-one, not nothing. And even in the pickup games we played, couldn't do nothing with me at all. You know what I'm saying? But then you bring in Hubie Brown. Then you bring in his system. Then you bring in the uh, the the mental manipulation slash I need to break this guy down and all the stuff he was about. And then that's when everything went bad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it just couldn't have went no worse. He had a he had he had something in his mind that he was trying to implement. And to his defense, he did it. It worked for what he was trying to do. But but nothing about his style and his attitude was good for me as a player or as a person. All it really did was have me on edge and and very irritated. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when certain things were going down, you know, I'm not even thinking like normal Troy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking, like, man, I need to whoop this motherfucker's ass. I'm talking about <laughs> Hubie. He's an old-ass man. But some of my teammates, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was crazy. Well, then the, crazy. Other, the other crazy part, too, is, like, I know you said you were dealing with a lot of hazing. Cause didn't you almost get in a fight with James Posey? I tried, I tried to fight James Posey, but Lorenzen Wright though he was uh he was like the main hazer. You know he was from Tennessee. Um, sometimes he was cool, sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he felt like he was Scarface. You know you just never knew who you were gonna get. You know what I'm saying? You just never knew who he was gonna be. You know what I'm saying? So I mean the first day when I met dude. He wanted me to bring a radio to the. Uh, we were in a D three locker room. He wanted me to bring a little radio to the um, to the locker room. So I went and got a nice size little radio. It wasn't a huge locker room. It was a D three locker room. It wasn't huge. So I get there. He's talking about it's not big enough, and I'm like, dude, like, what do we need? Like techno speakers for this little locker room, like, you know. And he always wanted wanted me to carry his bags. Me and Dante and the rookies, and I, I feel like he was putting bricks in the bags, bro. Like straight up, them bags. There's no way them bags should have been that heavy. He just, it was crazy, bro. It was a crazy situation, man. It really was, bro. It, it was interesting. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes he was cool, though. Sometimes Ren was cool. But then sometimes he wasn't cool. And um, you just never knew who you were going to get. And that's why like, I appreciated a dude like Shane Battier. You know, never hung out with a dude in my life. We had absolutely probably nothing in common at all. But at least... He was the same dude every day. Mike Miller, same way. Super cool dude. Um, Earl, Earl was cool. Barely spoke, but he was always cool. You know, it's kind of cool to see Earl's talking a lot now. You know what I'm saying? Like coming into his own, went to school, did some stuff. Because he, because he was, he was. One thing I learned from Earl though was that because he didn't talk back then that much, nobody could get a read on him, and. And, and, and I don't, and like I said, I, at the time, I didn't know if, if he was smart or dumb. I had no idea. But what I did know was that because he never really spoke that much, no one could get a read on him. And, um, and that, that actually, 
is very smart in certain situations, like not letting people get a read on you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then you got Dante Jones, who I never really rocked with, but him, you know, I, I never seen more of an ass kisser. So you got, you got Earl who don't say much. You got Dante who spent all his time kissing ass. So, but, but I, what I learned was there's a lot of ways to be successful. See, and for me, you know, I didn't do any of that stuff because I was just me all day, every day, you know, but, but I, I learned lessons, man. I learned lessons from watching some of these people navigate through these situations. You know what I mean? It was, uh, it was very interesting, man. It was very interesting. Obviously I could never do like Dante because I'm not an ass kisser. I would never do those type of things, but you know, he found ways to be successful. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. got picked up from the D League by the Cleveland Cavaliers and got a ring. I mean, there's a lot. He was friends with Tyron Lue, but the coach at the time. But all I'm saying, though, there's a lot of ways to be successful. And mm-hmm. I've sat back, learned a lot of things. Obviously, a lot of those things I would never implement into my life. But but I did learn, though. I didn't miss none of the lessons. You know what I'm saying? And I've been <laughs> able to help other people in some of their life situations just based on a lot of things that I've seen and experienced. So this life thing is crazy, man. There's a lot of stuff to learn. That's for sure. What you end up doing with the, uh, I mean, you go to Jerry West's house. Isn't this where the infamous game is where you beat MJ? No, no, no. So I played, so when I went to Jerry West's house, I think that was right after my, that was right before training camp was starting. Okay. That was right before training camp was starting. And he invited us over for steaks. And they were good, man. You know, Jared West, he, he had an amazing house. Even to this day, uh, one of the most crazy houses I've ever seen in person, man. Um, had like a little, like a lake. And it, it crazy was, what you're walking around in right now? I've seen this crazy mansion that you're walking around in right now. What's what's that, 36-foot ceilings? 48-foot ceilings? What, what are those? No. Nah, How hard is it to heat your house, man? They're not that big, bro. I don't know. I don't. I mean, see, if I had to guess, I'd say like. So that's a basketball hoop. Nah, they're probably like eighteen or twenty. No, maybe like I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like 18, <laughs> something like that. But no, this house, his house was was. So if this house I'm in now is like six, just under sixty-two hundred square feet, Jerry West's house had to be like. Man, don't quote me, bro, but I'm thinking like maybe like 20,000. It's a resort. 25, 30. I don't even know, bro. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable how big. I've been to MJ's house too. MJ's house was crazy. The one with the big 23 on the gate. Yeah. I don't know how big that was, but he had a whole gym in that house. And I feel like and I feel like this house could probably fit in the gym almost that he had. <laughs> so, so I don't know, man. It was it was crazy, but no. At Jerry's house, I remember Jerry asked me. He said, he said, he said, how did, basically he was saying like, okay, you've had your third. He said, I, he said he was never the same after he had his third knee surgery. And then he asked me, how do I think I'm gonna be? I said, Jerry, I don't know. I've never had three knee surgery before. You know what I'm saying? So I can't really answer that question. But um, but um, but no. When I played MJ, that was at Hoops Gym in Chicago. That at the time Tim Grover owned. So that okay. was that was at his gym in Chicago. Yeah, so that's where that's where me and Mike played. And didn't Mike beg you to play? No, no, no. He didn't beg at all. He was just Mike's a compulsive game. 
He just wants to take people's money, man. That's all. He didn't care nothing about my finances. He just wanted to take somebody's money, man. So, so, so he wanted to play two on two for uh, ten thousand, and he wanted to give me the bum, and he wanted to take the good guy, and uh, and so basically, I was just like, no, nah, Mike, we gotta. I'll play you one on one, dude, but you're not about to. You're not about to be giving me the bum, and, and you just get a quick ten thousand. Nothing, nothing about his presentation had anything to do with caring about me or the bills I needed to pay or the goals I had in life. <laughs> Mike was just, he was just a bully and he just wanted to take somebody's money and he felt like I would be an easy lick. And that's what it was, bro. And in a nutshell, Mike thought I was a lick and, I, and he didn't want to get me. And that's what happened, man. Yeah, but you busted him. Yeah, I mean, he... But like you know, I just I just think that Mike felt like I'm Mike. Nobody can beat me, and uh, for the most part, I'm assuming he was pretty much right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt like I felt like that was pretty much how his whole life had went on every level. You know what I'm saying? And and even in business and everything he does, you know, yeah. I'm Mike. I'm gonna win, and that's how he approached it, man. So we ended up going down there and. Yeah, man, I gave it to him pretty good, man. It was like 11 to 4, 11 to 5, something like that, and we ran it back. So and the 10,000 was mine. He wouldn't pay. The 10,000 was mine. No, we, we did double or nothing. But I was I was winning again, same score, like 10 or 4 or 5, and he just kept cheating, bro. He just, just kept cheating until he came back, and, uh, and eventually he ended up winning 11-10, and there's no way that should have happened because I was winning. It was the same game, bro. It was the exact same game. Um, he just cheated till he won. Grove wouldn't say nothing. Nobody would say nothing because that's Mike. You can't bite the hand to feed you if you're smart. You know how that goes. And uh, and they were smart. They didn't they didn't say nothing. And eventually he just came back and won. And then after that he he took over one of my workouts and you know gave me some tips and stuff. And but to be real, you know, you know he wasn't showing me nothing groundbreaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, he don't, I don't even think he really showed me anything I didn't already know. I think he was just being semi polite for. Still in the twenty thousand he owed me, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just give me my twenty thousand, Mike. You know, I don't need these tips. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But he was a cool, he was a cool dude though. Mike's a cool dude. Um, pretty much what I expected, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't expect him to be some saint. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd heard enough to know the type of guy I was dealing with, you know. But he was cool though. Mike was a cool dude. And then you know the other crazy thing that we've had before we wrap everything up, um, you went and played overseas. And you always tell me, I played overseas before it was cool to play overseas. There was no Instagram to make it look cool. You're out there. You didn't really have internet. It was janky. You didn't know anybody. Food was kind of trash. I mean, run run it down your quick experience overseas because now everybody glorifies it. Yeah, you know, it, it didn't really, it didn't really get like commercial until until the NBA went on lockout that one time, and then the NBA guys went overseas. That's when it became commercial. Before that, it was far from commercial. Don't get me wrong. Guys were still making money. Um, you know, it was what it was, but it, it just wasn't looked at in the same light. Like, a lot of a lot of people thought that playing overseas was kind of some some, some, some bummy stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, but when it kind of got glorified, and I don't you know, want to say glorified. I'll just say explained. It just got explained a lot better. And then people kind of understood what it was. And, um, but yeah, it was rough, man. When I first got over there, there was no Skype. Um, Skype didn't come, I think, until like 06 or 07. And it was really, really janky. And they were uh, jacking on the prices too, bro. The prices were crazy on Skype. 
you, you throw your little card on there, pay for it, man. Next thing you know, your minutes are gone. I'm talking about fast, too. So, like, the Skype that they got now is a totally different Skype than what we had. It was like a little dial-up joint. It was it was rough, bro. It was rough. Like, communicating with your family was crazy. Like, it was a super grind. I remember being in Real Madrid before they remodeled uh, their locker room and all that, and there wasn't even heat in the gym. Like, we were practicing – we were probably, we had a couple of practices like in coats, like in big coats. And you know, that's where Luca Doncic came from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh like when I was there, um, David Beckham was on the soccer team. So it was still Real Madrid, you know what I'm saying? People getting getting big money, but it was a lot different um than what it is now. Now if you're playing for like Barcelona or Real Madrid, like that's one of the close like you're, it's almost like you're just a, a half a step behind the NBA, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. From from your facilities and and all that good stuff. So, yeah, man, it was – overseas was a grind. It still is in a lot of places. But um, but in certain places, though, it's really, really upscale now. For you, though, was it easy to, to – I mean, because your last year was 2015. I think that was Argentina, right? Yeah, I think – yeah, I think I stopped in 16. Was it easy for you to walk away then, to be over that grind? You did it for so long. You know what, bro? If I didn't go to Argentina, I probably wouldn't have retired. Argentina retired me. Um, I ran into another weird coach. Um, and he don't get me wrong. From an X's and O's standpoint, I thought I think he was a great coach. X's and O's, great coach. Um, one of the best X's and O X's and X and O coaches I had, I think. But um, and he was actually a cool dude for the most part. But he kind of was a snake too. Um, and I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. Like. At that point in my life, you know, having a child, being away from him, I just was over. I was over. Hey, baby. I was over the snake stuff, over the inconsistencies. I had made a decent amount of money to be able to transition into phase two of life. I just didn't have it to be dealing with these clowns anymore, man, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, guys guys that, that, that are successful overseas, you either love the game or you love the bag. If you love them both, then you can really go hard. But you got to really love the game or you got to really go out your bag because you're going to go through some stuff. Yeah. Aside from the regular stuff that you're already going through, you're going to go through some other stuff too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Internet might be out for like a week, you know, just for no reason. They, they said they sent a guy, but he don't show. I mean, it's just random stuff, bro, that you – you know what it's like? Like almost every single job or anything you want to try to do, you have this 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 this, this uh, idea of what you think it's going to be, and then you do it, and it's almost never what you expected. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't care what job we're talking about. You go in like, oh man, my face, I can't wait to be a, a, a this or that. Then you start doing it, you're like, man, <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of stuff about this that I really did not expect. You know what I mean? And it's just like with overseas ball, like all of a sudden, it's just man, it's just so much. It's just too much stuff to list, bro. It's just too much stuff to list. Don't get me wrong though, I met some amazing people over there. And, I, and for the most part, I had a really good experience. Like, I'm still the only guy that I know that got all his money overseas because what you are going to experience overseas is some late money. I Almost every single check I ever got was a month late, almost every single one. Like, and that's, that's normal. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. your money's going to be late. I don't care who you think you are, what's going on. You better budget for your late money or or budget for the money that didn't show up at all. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. I'm the only guy I know that got all my money overseas. And one time, 
one time I got my money like seven months late from a team, but the guy still showed up and gave it to me, man. So shout out to Pepe because I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he came, he came to a totally different place to give me my money. But that's also a testament, I think, to to the guy that I was as far as just like being a cool dude, being a consistent dude. Because there was other guys on the team that didn't get their money. You know what I'm saying? Like I know one of my teammates, they still owe him like 30 bands. But Pepe showed up, man. He only owed me like 12 or 13, but he showed up and gave it to me in cash. I don't know how he got it or what he did, but but he got it to me. And I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Because like, a lot Pepe. of people, yeah, for real, man. Shout out Pepe. A lot of people don't get their money, man. It's crazy. You know, another person I want to shout out is Oos Marcus Alapate for lining this up. I mean, if I didn't, yeah, Oos is my guy. If he didn't introduce us, this would have never happened. I really appreciate him, uh, no and doubt. I know that's no your boy too. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But man, like, like you were saying too, a lot of our mutual friends they've had to go through FIBA to go get some money back. Which I had to go through FIBA to get some money it's back. All too. the cash, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's out of pocket until you get your money back. So I don't, yeah, dude, I that does sound like a crazy, crazy situation because where I'm from, somebody owes you money, you kind of want to go break some thumbs. You know what I mean? No doubt, no doubt. But but that's not how it works over there, man. It's funny too, man. I was playing this game one time uh, in the south of Italy, and um, I don't remember what happened, man. I think somebody uh, somebody did something to me, and I'm fresh off of boxing at this point, right? So this is my yeah. first contract after I started boxing, and um, I mean, I've always been like a real tough dude, strong dude, all that type of stuff. But but I'd say up until I really started boxing, like you know, most fights would have probably ended up on the ground to some degree. You know what I mean? Because, you mm-hmm. you know, you could throw, I would say your typical hood guy that, that got in some fights growing up, you could throw some punches, you know what I'm saying? But but it's not like, you're not super technical with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, not, there's nothing like getting formal training in defending yourself. So so this guy was doing something, man. He was talking major shit. He might have, like, did something cheap. And I told him, I was like, bro, I would, I would really break your face, like, straight up. And he was like, he said something about, yeah, you might break my face. But what happens after that? Like, you're in my country, in the south of Italy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he made some valid points. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you might break my face. And you might break a few more faces. But what happens when you're trying to get out of here? You know what I'm saying? You got, like, I don't know, five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people in this gym. And we're all Italian and we're all in the south. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, you know what? So that's a valid point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, you gotta you gotta understand where you are, what's going on. And typically I do. You know what I'm saying? But because I remember I remember we were playing against in the D League, man. Um what's that dude's name that went to North Carolina? Hodges. Hodges. Julius. Uh, Julius Julius Hodge. He's an asshole, right? Cool dude, yeah. he's an asshole. I was playing him in the D League in Albuquerque. And um he talks a lot of shit. I remember he said some real foul stuff to Chris Paul that I had heard about. But so we were having a conversation, man. It, we, my team was winning. And, and that was another situation too, bro, that wasn't a good situation for me either in the D-League. And, um, and we, we were talking. We were talking. I told him, I said, bro, this, there's, I, I told him just how, just how I always talk. Like, listen, there's a difference between talking shit on a basketball court and then setting something up for after the game. I said, so you better decide, like, what, you're, what we're doing right here. Because I, I'm like, because for me, the, the <laughs> shit talking is cool. It's cool, but it only can go so far. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we can talk shit and let it just be that. But but sometimes people want to, like, go into a different area with the shit talking. You know what I'm saying? But they don't really know 
they don't really know where they're making where making making you go mentally. So so I told him, man, no matter of fact, we weren't in L it was two times, bro. This was this is crazy. I forgot about all these stories. So so Julius Hodge, man. We're talking a lot of shit. Like, if I told him, I said, bro, I'm done with the shit talking. Like, like we're going to fight. Either we're going to fight or we're not. You know what I'm saying? Like, after this game, like, we're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. Like, we're going to fight. And um, next thing you know, after the, uh, after, the, after the game, he just ran to the bus. Like, he grabbed his stuff and he ran to the bus. And, and, and I was, I went to the bus. You know what I'm saying? And he wouldn't come off the bus, right? So, so, and, and. So whatever, right? So now fast forward. I switched teams. Now I go to the Austin Toros. First I was in the Albuquerque, whatever the hell they're called. I can't remember. So so now I'm in I'm in uh, I'm in Austin, man. And it's just a similar situation. I'm like, bro, you don't remember we did this like a month or two ago? And um <laughs> and it was like the same situation, man. We're like going up the stairwell and like and again, like I'm 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 kind of trying to get to him a little bit, and and he got a whole bunch of people there, and they're like breaking it up. But like, you know, that was different because now we're in America. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not in Italy. You know, Italy actually came after that, actually. But yeah, Italy was after that. Matter of fact, so now we're in America. You don't got nobody. I don't got nobody. Like everything is even. You know what I'm saying? And so it was funny, like, just thinking about, like, my mentality, like, being in America and taking my mentality that I had in America to Italy. Yeah. It's, just, it's just crazy, man. Like, but but you know what? You know what, though, what popped in my mind is, like, all that stuff that happened in Memphis, like, all that hazing, all that um, unnecessary stuff, like, like, that stuff really changed me, bro, because, because I think... I think I was a lot nicer. You know what I'm saying? Before, like, I've, I've just always been, like, a really fair dude. So when stuff started getting, like, real unfair for me, like, my man, my mentality really changed for the worse, bro. Like, like my patience level, um, just all of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, because in school, in school, man, like, like, my rapport with my teammates like the way I treated people, like, like everything, like I was, we just had so much love. We were surrounded by so much love and just camaraderie. So then once I got in all these other situations, bro, where it wasn't like that, it just really made me darker. You know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong. A lot of it, I think you need to survive in the situations I was in and to, and to flourish because there's a lot of snakes, dude. Like, like when you get out of, when you get out of situations, where where you no longer feel like safe and and people aren't being straight with you like there's only there's really only one way to survive like you gotta start looking out for yourself and you gotta be a lot cold or a lot a lot a lot of stuff that I didn't typically want to be things that I'm comfortable with but things that I didn't really want to be mm -hmm. but when I just had so many situations like one after another where people are treating you wrong people are playing with your money people are doing this, that, and the third, you just get to the point where you're like, okay, man, listen, man, like, I'm not putting up with anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. not nothing. And yeah. it, it's, it's crazy, man. Part of me, like, part of me feels a little bad about it, but then the other part of me just kind of believes that the longer you stay on this earth, like, the earth continues to change you. It just, you, like, you just, you have no choice. Like, it's like either you change and adapt or, or I don't know. I don't know what the option is, bro. But but, but I don't I don't know. I don't even know what the option is.
I feel like you have to change and adapt. You get left behind. You become just bitter. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is, man. Or maybe you just got to keep deleting people out of your life. I don't know. But, man, I'm telling you, man, like just thinking about – just thinking about some of the experiences, bro. Like, there's so many stories, bro, that I can't even remember right now. Like, but I mean, but stuff is popping in my head, but it's just crazy. Like, I completely forgot about that Julius Hodge thing. It was, it's, it's just about the Julius Hodge because I keep thinking when CP3 punched him in the nuts. Surprised you didn't yeah, give man. them in a game. You know what I mean? But you, did, but you remember what he said though? He I don't know what he said. Like, I never even heard that he said something. So he, so he, he, so Chris Paul's grandfather had died. He got murdered, and, and, and Julius Hodge said something along the lines of like, "Hey, I'm glad your dad, grandpa's dead, or fuck your grandpa." Something crazy, bro. Like. Something crazy like that. I didn't you know, know he said that. I never knew yeah, that. Yeah, bro. Yeah. He said something reckless, like crazy, crazy. Like that's the type of dude that Hodge used to be. You know what I'm saying? I don't know who he is now, but I'm sure I'm sure he's changed some, but but yeah, bro. So so I'm and I'm already knowing what he said to CP when he's talking to me. You know what I'm saying? But obviously he don't got nothing to say to me other than just what we're talking about. But like I told him, like, bro, like I will really hurt you. Like yeah. I'm I'm the guy that will hurt you. You know what I mean? Like, that's who I am. I don't know if you know. You obviously don't know. But I will take a lot of pleasure in, in really hurting you. Like, you're talking hella shit. Like, I'm not – this isn't what I do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, man. It was crazy, bro. It was crazy. Some people don't know when it – like, that, that feel – either they do know and they like doing that or they really don't know. You know what I mean? A lot like, of people don't – a lot of people don't know. A lot, a lot of people don't know, bro. And that's one thing I learned growing up early in life is that an ass whooping is possible at any time. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't really understand that. But if you have, I, I, I'm not even saying got your ass whooped. Either got your ass whooped or got overpowered by somebody that you couldn't do nothing about, whether you were a kid or whatever that, whatever that situation looks like. If that's happened to you, you have a totally different respect for what's possible. I feel like a lot of people have never had that feeling. And that's why they run their mouth the way they do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you, but if you've been overpowered to the point where you can't do nothing or got your ass whooped in a situation where you were completely helpless, I feel like you move through life a lot differently. It's like 99.9% of people who have had that situation, they change after that. No I know one person in my life that I've seen them get rocked, still, still talking, still chirping. I've only seen one person in my life. It, it, it never. It just never calculated in his brain. Like maybe I should reel back, reel back. Only one you person. Know, I feel like I feel like a lot of times those people that keep doing it, those are the people that have like those uh, those alcohol issues, drug issues. I've rarely seen a guy get his ass whooped that wasn't high on something that didn't make adjustments. See, and I, th- I honestly, for the person that I, I'm referring to, I really think it's. Uh, Intention, man. He doesn't care what kind of attention he gets, whether it's good or bad. He just wants attention. I think he's addicted to attention. And I think that's a sad oh. thing because, I mean, getting your ass whooped for talking, like, it can be avoided. Like, you can, have, you can find ways to get attention a lot easier to get rocked. You know what I mean? But, dude, there's nothing cool about getting your ass whooped. <laughs> no, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, I, and I'm not going to lie, bro. I've never got my ass whooped by anyone other than my dad but but even that is not what's popping you know what i'm saying like i don't care who does it i don't care what the circumstances are i don't care if it's with a belt a fist uh, a foot whatever like there's nothing cool about that like even as a kid like i remember thinking to myself 
Like I got, I got, I got to start being a lot better so I can avoid some of these assholes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Usually it's a lesson like, learner, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, like, you're like, yo, all right, so I did that, this happened, all right, so I obviously can't do that again. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you've got to figure it out, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm with you. There's nothing, there's yep. nothing about it that makes you be like, I need to keep these ass whoopers coming. <laughs> like, that's never how you feel. I don't, I don't believe, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. No, nah, dude, we're on the same page. I, I learned the hard way a lot of times. I was a slow learner in a lot of ways. Uh, my mom definitely showed me some lessons, uh, but it was, uh, I, I did learn. I didn't keep doing right. the You know what I mean? But, yeah, straight up. There's, no, there's nothing fun about it. No, nothing. And, and Troy, man, I, I'd love to keep having these conversations. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I've told you a million times, I think you're the most natural, funny person I've ever met. You need to be doing commentating. You need to have your own show. The world needs to hear more from you. Um, and I'd love to have you back whenever you want to come back. Yeah, I'll come rock with you. I'll come rock with you again.